Hello. I um I wanted to take this time and um I wanted to address some of the concerns that we have with respect to America, where we're at um in America, in our country today. Um particularly with the political climate, with the polarization that's been going on in our um, political atmosphere. Because uh, I believe that there's a lot of people, a lot of people are concerned with the direction that, that our country is heading. And But I want to take a look at it from a Christian standpoint. What role should a believer in Christ play with respect to politics? Is there an example in Scripture that we are to follow? Um, because um, I think, you know, with particularly the incident, the recent incident that's happened with the 11 folks that got killed in Pittsburgh in that synagogue and the subsequent reaction that some of the congregants had uh, with respect to the president arriving and and showing his respect to those who were affected. Uh, It it begs the question, what, what what should the response be from the church? How should we Respond. What is our we as the body of Christ, and also you can include um, the Jewish community? What are we supposed to do? How are we supposed to act? Is there a blueprint, right, with respect to civil engagement? And when I say civil engagement, I mean the relationship that you have as a member of the body of Christ or a member of a Jewish community, the relationship that you have with folks who are not involved with the church, a religious community, what relationship should you have? Right? So that's basically what I want to look at I want to deal with. Because first of all, I think that for the most part, we're largely disconnected. It seems to me that we all kind of stay with our own kind, you know, a sort of like a tribalism kind of thing. The Jews stay with the Jews and um, in our community, we kind of stay with our, um, within our own communities. But when I look in Matthew chapter 28 when I look at this particular scripture, um, this is Jesus talking in in Matthew 28 verse 18 it says and Jesus came up and spoke to them saying all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth go ye therefore make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son and the Holy Spirit when I look at that 19th verse go Therefore, and make disciples of all nations. It's hard 
to make disciples of all nations if you're stuck in your own communities. This is very difficult to do that. And this is Jesus talking to the disciples. So this is a mandate. This is something that we should be doing. We should be making disciples. How are we going to make disciples? First of all, if we don't ever talk to them, if we don't never in, engage them. So that's a mandate from, from Jesus himself. We are supposed to engage. Now, going back to my original question, is there a blueprint? Is there a way that we should be engaging? Right? Because I, I think that within our communities, within our churches, right, you either have some Christians, you have some believers, either they're too involved in politics or they're not involved in politics at all, right? And I think both present a problem because when, when you're too, if you're a Christian, if you're a Christian pastor, right, and you're too involved in politics, I can give you an example. I can remember watching a video on Facebook and this was during the time when, when the uh, Colin Kaepernick commercial, Nike commercial came out. Uh, there was a man um, preaching a sermon from the pulpit, right? And he had a Nike hat on. He took the Nike hat off in the video and he just stomped on it, saying that he's not going to buy Nike anymore. What does that do? What does that do? Well, when when you take a political stance like that, you run the risk of alienating people who have the opposing view. You do. You you kind of you kind of pigeonhole yourself as being one thing, and you can't you you cannot make disciples of all nations of all people. You, you alienate people. People stop listening to you when when you take that political stance here's 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 the thing here's the thing about god god is not a republican nor is he a democrat god is so far above politics is 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 not it's not even questionable he's not he's not any of that right what god really wants is he wants relationship with everybody. He wants relationship with his creation. He wants relationship with with all people. So when you stand in the pulpit and you take up a political position, right? Now you you kind of you kind of tie yourself. You know, you can't reach other people. You can't do that because now they're not listening to you. So, and then you have the other side. Christians are not political at all. This, there's this sentiment. Some in 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 our, in our Christian communities, this is sentiment that um, that we shouldn't be involved at all. Well, you know, this is kind. Of, this is the problem too. This is this is definitely a problem because when you when you look in Romans chapter 13, Romans chapter 13 says, 
the, uh, the, the authority and the political power that governments have come from God. Right? So, if you're an American citizen, right, we know, we understand our form of government. We have we have a representative type of government, which means the power in this country is just it's distributed in three different layers, state, local, federal, right? So the power that we have, the political power that comes from God is distributed. And if you're not going to be involved in it, then you're not, then first of all, your voice is not going to be heard. <coughs> the, the people that you are supposed to represent, right, their concerns, their needs, it's not going to be heard in, in the atmosphere. We want to be able to create, we should want to be able to create an environment in which the free flow of exchange, the free flow exchange of ideas, you know, including the idea of the gospel can be freely heard and exchanged. We want that. So what's the blueprint? What is the blueprint? The standard that we that we should follow. I want to take a look at two different passages of scripture. All right. First, I want to look at Romans chapter 12 verse 9. And mind you, this 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 is the standard of how Christians should behave anyway. But what I'm going to do here is I'm going to take these passages of scripture. This is Romans chapter 12. Verses 9 through 21. I'm going to take that. I'm going to apply that to the area of politics. Because I believe that if you are a believer in Christ, you shouldn't be engaged in politics the same way that that politicians do. There should be a difference in the manner in which you behave yourself. There, there's a standard. There is a holy standard of civil discourse. Right, that that we're gonna talk about, and I'm gonna talk about right now. Right, let's look at Romans chapter twelve. Let's look at verse nine. It says this: Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Now, notice it says, "Let love be without, without hypocrisy." What is that saying? You should love people, you know. A lot of, I mean, we use we use this scripture. Uh, we use. We, let's look at First Corinthians chapter thirteen because this this is the love chapter, right? This is this particular scripture because it's talking about love, right? You know, First Corinthians thirteen verse four tells it. You know, it, it tells us what love is, right? It says, love is patient, love is kind, and it's not jealous, does not brag, it is not arrogant, does not act unbecomingly, it does not seek its own, it does not provoke, does not take into account a wrong, suffer, does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things, love never fails, right? 
a lot of people use that particular scripture when it when it talk when it talks about marriage. But here's the thing: the apostle Paul is not talking about a marriage relationship. He's talking about relationships with everybody. So when he says in Romans twelve, Romans chapter twelve, verse nine, he says, "Let love be without hypocrisy." He's talking about how you deal with everyday people, right? It should be sincere. Your love for other people should be sincere for sure. Amen. So let's jump down. Let's look at Romans chapter 12. Same chapter. Let's look at verse 10, verse 16. And again, this is the rule that you should be following as, as a believer in Christ. Well, really, when it, when it pertains to anybody, but right now, we're going to look at it and we're going to apply it towards the area of politics. Amen. So let's look at the 16th verse. It says this. Be of the same mind towards one another. Do not be haughty in mind, but associate with the lowly. Do not be wise in your own estimate, es estimation. All right, this particular verse is a call for civility. Here's what it's saying. Before you even engage in a political discussion whatsoever, whether it's on Facebook, Twitter, whether it's in person, whether it's on your job, with your family, or whatnot, the first question that you, sh that you should think of you should ask yourself is this why am I even engaged in this discussion in the first place am I looking for a fight am I looking to settle a score am I looking to correct the person what, what am I doing or am I really looking for some type of common ground it says be of the same mind towards one another you should try to seek some common ground be of the same mind do not be haughty in mind don't be haughty in mind you're not supposed to be arrogant you know you should always when you're engaged you should always consider how it impacts the other person right you're your ideas, you should never be so um, indoctrinated. You should never be so, uh, what's the word? You should never be so rigid in your ideology that you think you're arrogant. That your ideas are just better than the other person. Stupid. No. Don't be haughty in mind. You should never be haughty in mind. Right? You, you don't get to call people out their name in the name of Jesus. That, that doesn't work. You can't, be, you can't be cussing people out in the name of Jesus. You can't be calling them out their names or whatever in the name of Jesus. No, don't be hearty in mind. You should always seek common ground. Right? Don't be wise in your own estimation. You should never be wise in your own estimation. Right? 
giving you a perfect example of what I'm talking about. Here, this, here's, here's my journey. We've been talking about earlier, talked about the Colin Kaepernick situation, right? And, and particularly the kneeling incident in the NFL. Right. Me personally, you know, I'm a black man, but I don't personally think that that's a good idea to kneel during the national anthem. The reason why I believe that is because of my personal experience. You know, I spent 22 years in the military, and when you're in the military, you you spend every day in the military honoring the flag, right? The, the, it's something that's that you do even even after the military you know i'm still involved with the military i still work at a military installation um i still honor the flag you know i don't i believe there's a time and a place for protests right however what i should not do and what a lot of other people who think the same way I do, who who have respect for the the anthem and the flag, uh, they tend to put these negative labels on folks who are kneeling or folks who support it. No, you should don't be wise in your own estimation, because here's here's the truth. Here's the truth, is that yes, you know I was a soldier in the army and and I, and I, I was deployed. And everything. Not only did I fight for myself, for my right to to believe and think the way I do, I also fought for his right to kneel. So the negative the negative comments that that you make is not helpful. That's being wise in your own estimation. You know, when you engage in a conversation with someone who um, who encourages and and believes in that, then what you should do is try to meet some common ground. Here's the common ground for me is, no, I will not personally kneel while the national anthem is being played. No, I will not do that. But I will stand next to you and I'll support your right in doing that. I will support your free speech rights in doing that. That's common ground. You should never try to try to um, beat somebody down and, and say they're stupid and they're ignorant. No, and guess what? I expect the same respect back. I mean, you may not ever, you may not get the same respect, but you should. If you feel the same way I do, then you should do what I do. All right. So verse seventeen says this: Never pay back evil for evil to anyone. Respect what is right in the sight of all men. Now, this particular verse is a call for decency. This is a call for decency. It goes along on the same lines as verse 17. But never pay back evil for evil. You know, when I think about the current political situation, I can't help but think about the president. Here's what I do not like about him is that I, I don't like the way he strikes back at people who disagree with him. You criticize him, you come after him, he's coming right back after you. No. If you 
are a believer in Christ, if you call yourself following Christ, no, that is not what you should be doing. Don't be doing that. That is that is wrong. Never pay back evil for evil to anyone, regardless of their political position, regardless of how wrong they are. No. Don't do it. Verse 18. If possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. Now, sometimes it's not possible. There's some people that's just going to hate you just because they hate you. There's some people that's just filled with hate. You know, what you should do is just um, love. Let your love be without hypocrisy. Love anyway, right? Um, what are we reading in 1 Corinthians? Love is patience. Love is kind. Love does not act unbecomingly. Guess what? You don't get to act unbecomingly if you're a believer. No. You should love anyway, regardless. Amen. Verse 19. Never take your own revenge, beloved, but leave room for the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. Now, this particular scripture is a call to faith. You must believe in the words of the Lord here. God is saying this is a decree of God, right? God is saying vengeance is mine. I will repay is a, is a decree of the Lord. I will repay. You must allow God to do what God does. You do what you're supposed to do, and that's love, right? Love anyway. This is um, this is the same tactic that the civil rights movement employed, and Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. employed during the civil rights movement is is to love anyway. Um, yes, he spoke out against um, the white establishment, the white power structure. Yeah, he spoke out against them. But he also spoke love. And you know what? Let me say this. Let me say this. What would have happened? What would have happened if during the march in Selma, if they would have crossed the Edmund Pettus Bridge, right? What would have happened if the black folks there would have had guns and knives and fought them back and took vengeance out on, on the police that was there. What do you think was going what would have happened? I guarantee you there would have never been the Civil Rights Act of nineteen sixty four. There would have never been a voting rights bill, you know, I believe that black people still would have been segregated today. It would have set us back. We must trust God. We have to believe God that, that if we are on the Lord's side, right? If we if we do it his way, he's gonna do what he said. 
we have to believe that. But this particular verse is a, is a call for faith. We must believe, we must take God at his word. We must ask God to, if we do it our way, guess what? God is not obligated. He doesn't have an obligation. All right. Verse 20. But if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him drink. For in so doing, you will heap burning coals on your head. Now, in this particular scripture, this is um this verse, um, you it uses some really good imagery here to explain the guilt that comes on a person when they do you wrong. You know, you safe is if you, if you do somebody wrong. What what happens when you do somebody wrong, right? And you just mean to him, and you get nasty, and you are stupid, and you're ignorant, and you. Do say all kinds of nasty things wrong and they respond to you with love. Right? That's gonna eat this particular scripture is saying that that will eat them alive. And it may cause them to repent. Right? Definitely will cause them to repent. But if your enemy is hungry, feed him. And if he is thirsty, give him drink. Now, here's the thing. In our political climate, remember when Maxine Waters uh, said that if you see anybody from that administration that you will, um, that you get in their face and you push back on them. And if you see them at a restaurant or at a gas station that you push back on them and you get in there. No. You are a believer in Christ. Don't be doing that. No, that is taking things out. If 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 the if the folks in the Trump administration are wrong, let God deal with them. Right? You walk in love. You must trust God. You must believe God. You must do what he says. You must take him at his word. If that's you. Now, this is wrong. This is absolutely wrong. This is not this is not biblical. What what they're doing is not biblical. What Maxine Water said, don't do that. Alright. Verse 21. It kind of goes with verse 20. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. What she is talking about doing to folks in the Trump administration it, it will not overcome if in fact and I'm not saying the Trump administration is evil no but if they are right what you're doing by getting in their face informing crowds and not feeding them when they're hungry trying to sit down at a restaurant and they're thirsty and don't give them a drink if you're doing that type of stuff then you are overcome with evil and rage. You are being hateful. You are not walking in love. That's that's what this particular scripture is saying. 
Right. So just keep that in mind. Keep that in mind. It's not, if you're a believer in Christ, it's not a whole lot to ask for. It's not. All God is saying is love people the same way I've loved you. What if God would have did that to you? What if he did that to you? When you when you 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 say you're a Christian, you're a believer, when you was in sin, right, guess what? That hurts God. You know, God created you for a purpose, right? He created you for a reason. You're here for a reason. You're a created being of God. And and when you are in sin, you are acting in a manner in which God didn't create, which God is not pleased. What if he did the same thing to you that you do to people from the other side of the aisle? What if he what if he did that? Romans 5 and 8. But God demonstrated his own love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died, didn't have to die for us. He did not have to do this. This, my friends, is the ultimate form of civil engagement. It's God sending Jesus. That's the ultimate form of civil engagement. All right. So if you don't take anything away from this, take this. God loved you, and now he wants you to love others regardless. Trust and believe God. Depend on him. Stand on his word. Believe his word. Let's pray. Father, we thank you and we honor you. Lord, we just ask that you would just help us, God. Help us to see other human beings the way you see them, God. Help us, oh God, navigate this political arena in, in, in the United States of America. It's becoming too polarized. It's becoming too political, God. We just ask your spirit, we ask, we ask for you to help us, God, heal the divide in this country, God. We thank you, we praise you, we honor you, we love you. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.